Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Hey, welcome back to The Pod Crashed. This week, we're telling the ongoing story of a Uruguayan rugby team trapped in the Andes. Thanks for listening. Hi, Mariah. Hi, Casey. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. Hanging in there. A bit tired, but all right. Yeah, I can only imagine. I uh, am so excited about this story. I know it's a weird thing to be excited about, but I just find this to be such a, I don't know. I just think yeah. this is an important story. So um, This is a great story. I, I Listen, it gets way worse and better somehow. So, <laughs> um, the, so for anybody who didn't hear last week's episode, you should go listen to it. Um, it's the main one that's going to be about planes. Um, and what we <laughs> talked about, uh, we talked about the, uh, Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571, which was a charter flight on a Uruguayan Air Force, uh, Fairchild, uh, aircraft with 45 people on board, five crew, 40 passengers. Uh, after a series of bad weather, some confusion, um, it's crashed in the Andes Mountains while flying from Uruguay to Chile. And the plane slid like a high speed toboggan down the mountain. No wings, back of the plane gone, before crashing into a snowbank, crushing the cockpit. Mm. Goodness. The force of that impact uh, ripped a lot of the seats out of, off the floor of the plane, but the plane has stopped. Mm. There, are, there were 45 people who had walked onto that plane. Seven of them had been ejected out the back of the plane when the tail was ripped off. As the plane comes to a stop, there's shock, confusion on board. Uh, I don't know if you've been in a car accident, but there is, or had any kind of, you know, life-threatening injury, but like, or, or life-threatening situation, but there is like that moment where you're like, oh, is my, am I, is my body okay? Is my body yeah. okay? Am I okay? Yeah. As people start to compose themselves or become aware of themselves, become aware of what's happening, become aware of their bodies, uh, different people obviously respond differently. Uh, people, Some people are injured horribly and might start to cry out in pain or ask for help. There were two first-year medical students on board Roberto Canesa and Gustavo Zorino, uh, they are 
both first year medical students and they're both alive and they look yeah. to the team physician who is on board oh, the plane gosh. and realize that he's dead in his seat. So the, the team doctor who they all depended on is one of the people who's died on board the plane yeah. along with his wife. Those two young men start to get up and uh, look around and, and see what's going on. They kind of snap into action. Uh, they go and checking on different people, different uh, people get up, people walk around, people try to help, people try to lift, you know, different things off of one another. Um, Nando, so we talked about how there were 19 people on the team. So there were five crew. There were people like the uh, the physician and his wife, different people like that. And then there were some people who were like friends and family who the players had invited on this fun trip, neighbor ladies, stuff like that. Uh, Nando ha is the name of one of the players who had invited uh. his mom and younger sister along. He his mother is dead. She died in the initial impact. His sister Susie uh, is alive but injured. And Nando is maybe dead, maybe in a coma. Anybody who seems severely injured and unconscious kind of automatically moves to the bottom of the list because there's people who are conscious and alive and in pain and need help immediately. So these lads like jump into action. They start to get up, they start to walk around and help one another, help who they can. Uh, the Some of the passengers are kind of fine and others are horribly injured. Some people are in total shock and some people are like snapping into action. Uh, the team captain, uh, Marcelo Perez, he kind of like snaps into like team captain mode and kind of starts to try to take command of the situations, tell people you do this, you do that. The first year physicians, the two of them are both, you know, just trying to do what they can, trying to do their best. Obviously they respond differently. Uh, some people in situations like this will like latch on to something they can do, something that they can fix, something they can solve. Some people are really need somebody to take command. So it's like really helpful that some people are more um, present, more mentally right. uh here in this moment it's just different ways that adrenaline affects your body right nobody they're not trained for this you know what i mean uh enrique platero is in shock right and he's trying to help right so he but he's in shock and he goes over and he asks gustavo you know uh hey, uh, Gustavo, like, I want to help, but will you look at this? And Gustavo looks down and there's a bar, like a metal bar mm. through his abdomen, like completely through one side right. to the other. And these are like all young men, right? So Enrique is in shock, has a bar through him. His poor shock brain is like, that doesn't seem quite right. I'll ask Gustavo. And then, and Gustavo's like, looks at it, composes himself says no you're fine i need your help and then he points to the other side of him and says will you get that for me and he turns around and gustavo grabs the bar and rips it out while he's not paying attention 
And then again, poor Enrique is still in shock. And he's like, just uh, wrap something like, like stop the bleeding on that. And like, I guess help because you're walking (laughs) and just, and that that's actually depicted in the movie. And that is accurate. There's, uh, mm. the scene is is violent and shocking and bloody. <sighs> Griselia Mariani was the neighbor lady who had come along for her daughter's wedding. She just tagged along last minute. She didn't think she'd be able to go to her daughter's wedding and had come along. Um, she is conscious and aware and in pain because the seats had all ripped up and were crushing her legs. I'm going to put a warning yeah. at the top of this that there's a lot of violence in this episode, but, um, and the young men again are trying to help her trying to like lift up the seats, but her legs are, um, they're not able to remove them. They're not able immediately to, mm. to help her. So they're trying to like stay with her. There was a couple on board named, uh, Luliana and Javier. Methal, and they're older they're not they're not old but they're just not you know college age kids so they're a married couple they have four kids back in uruguay they had tagged along because it was their anniversary yeah, they just thought right. it'd be fun to go on it again this was supposed to be a day trip and liliana like just snapped into that like <laughs> i am gonna yeah. like mom this situation i am gonna mom these boys yeah. like until i can get home to my boys and she starts to like kind of go around mm. and just offer that like very like gentle loving emotional support and it just was like a tender saint we all have roles uh she and she knew her role uh, Oh, she knew her role and she snapped into action she was just because again that some people were horribly injured and there wasn't something that they could something obvious that they could do immediately and again they're in if you think about this this is in like a destroyed plane right they're all in this like enclosed space uh, this is not a huge aircraft this isn't a triple seven or anything like that this is a plane that was completely packed with 45 people on board so like it, i just think about the like the constriction of the space like ducking your head and climbing over stuff and how it just I don't know, just how baffling and, and bizarre the situation would be. Uh, the people, so some folks have um, compound fractures where their, say their upper body is relatively healthy, like they don't have intense internal bleeding, but their legs got Oof. damaged badly by the seats ripping up. <sighs> so... Some of the young men started to walk out of the back of the plane, right? Whether it's because they're in shock and they just need to get out, whether it's confusion, whether it's a feeling of helplessness, whatever it is, there's a lot of reasons. Or because it's a confined space, right? You can't, it'd be very difficult. I mean, I think about like in a hospital, trying to crowd people around somebody who when everybody's like a professional and everybody's trying to crowd around to help somebody you know that's confining but this is in like an incredibly closed space uh so some of the young men start to walk out and all they see for as far as the eye can see in every direction is mountains 
The snow is deep, up to their waist in some areas. Most of these boys oh had never what time of year seen is it again? snow. So this is October. Oof. It's actually Friday the 13th, October uh, 13th, 1972. It's important to remember that in the south, southern hemisphere, so they're in South America, in the southern hemisphere, October is spring. So this is in the mountains in very early spring because their winter or their summer rather will be during our winter. So it's late October. So it's the end of winter turning into spring, but not turning into spring fast enough. And they're in the mountains. So, and it's the uh, afternoon around like three o'clock. Exactly. Exactly. In the mountains uh, and, you know, mountains and valleys, the sun sets faster. Right. So, and at that time of year, so it's, they come out, all they see is snow, there's snow up to their waist in some places, up to their, you know, knees. They've never seen snow. They've never seen snow. It's that uh, they, they start to walk around to try to get to the cockpit because the cockpit door had been blocked by seats. So they walk around and they see that the captain, Julio, is dead. But Dante, the co-pilot, is still alive. Uh, Mm. The cockpit was crushed, so he is badly injured, but they see that he's still alive. They can't get to him through the front of the plane, though, obviously, so they come back around uh, where, you know, again, people are tending to the injured, people are doing what they can, people are trying to survive if they are the person who's injured. They start to pull things away from the cockpit door, and uh, some people start to, like, move things out of the of the fuselage, right? They try to like move like a band, like chairs that have gone up, like trying to make a little bit of space. So they pull everything away from the cockpit door, open it so they can talk to the co-pilot. The co-pilot is, if again, if you think about this, uh, it, it, in fact, the co-pilot had been the one who was flying the plane. He's in agony, obviously, and he's saying, we passed Corico, we passed Corico over and over and over again. And they don't, they know what that means on a map, but they're, it's, they're trying to help him come down. They're trying to, you know, ask him uh, if they, they ask if they can contact anybody using the radio. Uh, the radio won't work because the engines aren't running. Oh. There's no baby belly propelly there's nothing there's no power getting to the radio so the radio is just dead the uh, co-pilot dante asks for his bag he starts to like say like get my bag get my bag get my bag and they're like what do you need what's in your bag Mm. and he says my gun and he Mm. said get me my gun like i need to end it like i want to die and here's the first reference to something that is going to come up a lot our lads are Catholic. Our lads are so Catholic. Oh. They love the Lord. <laughs> yes. They love Mary, the mother of Jesus. These boys, they, and part of what that means is right. like, no right. friend, we're not going to help you kill yourself. We just can't, right? And they try to ask him questions. They try to think. I imagine trying to think of what questions to ask of this like dying, confused man. Like just the... I mean, again, and you right, were fine literally. 10 minutes ago. You know what I mean? 10 minutes ago, Gosh. you were ready to, to go play a rugby game. 
Dante doesn't live very long at all. He he dies there in his seat mm. in the cockpit next to Julio, the pilot. The radio doesn't work. Both of the pilots are dead. Most of the luggage fell out because it had been in the rear of the plane. They start to kind of go through stuff. They start to like organize a little bit, right? Just kind of prepare things because like you said, it's, it's, it's getting late really fast. It's getting dark really fast. And with that darkness, it's getting very, very, very cold. During the day, it's um, like a, what I think of as mild, what you might think of as comfortable, what they probably thought of as very cold. But at night, it's going to get very, very, very cold. So they start to try to like take stock, try to prepare, try to wrap horrible injuries, try to, you know, just make something of this moment, right? Figure out something. They find that there's like some chocolate, like two bottles of wine, some nuts, and incidentally, <laughs> infinity cigarettes. Just there are just all the cigarettes <laughs> in the universe. There are literally there are literally cartons and cartons of cigarettes for whatever reason. I don't Smoker's know if everybody heaven. just knew what they were doing or what, but they have infinity. Right, right. Smokers yeah, true. heaven. Smokers hell, I guess even, but still smoker, still for smokers though. But there's an infinity cigarettes, almost no food. They start to take the uh, like covers off of the seats as they you know try to get everything out that they can they take the covers off the seats they take clothing out of bags whatever's available they they eat like the little like bite of chocolate and like single peanut and like just prepare to hunker down for what is in fact a brutally 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 cold night they, as they're arranging things in what's left of the plane, right, in the fuselage, which again is not very big at all, they uh, try to like barricade the open part, right, like the back hole. They try to barricade it as best they can, but of course it's drafty. And Nando is the only person who's not conscious and he is alive. He is alive but he's unconscious in a coma and they're squeezing into this space and they believe he's going to die and they need to keep the warmest part of the plane for people who they, who they, who have a chance, right? Like just to be serious, right? Like you have to make some of the most horrible decisions, right? So they keep Nando inside the fuselage, but they put his body like close to the edge, like closer to the barricaded door. Night lasted 15 hours of darkness. It got down to negative 40 degrees, which is the same in Fahrenheit and Celsius. So wherever you are in the world, negative 40 is exactly the same. Negative 40 degrees. So something about um, to be mindful of is uh, it's an arid climate, right? So even though there's snow on the ground, it's very, very, very dry. And that dry air, just like in any other desert, really, at 
even if it's mild during the day or even hot during the day at night that there's no moisture in the air to help hold the temperature steady so it just radically you know it'll just go up and down with the sun they bundle together they tend to who they can and they wait My for 15 gosh. hours for the sun to come up again in the night five more people die I am so when they wake up, there are 28 five. survivors. That's very cold. It's incredibly cold. They just, they just, Jeez. their body heat, they just like, bump, like hunger together. And it was right. not warm by any stretch, right? But they were able to like keep their body heat and like hunker in. When they woke up, um, Nando's still in the coma, but he is still alive. He wasn't amongst those. And so they, again, just these difficult decisions that you make, they really, his mm. he they can see that his skull is fractured and he's totally unconscious, uh, you know, in a deep, deep coma. And, but his body is still producing heat. So they... You know, and they love him. He's their friend, right? right? But I, so I don't want to make it sound like too calculated. They love him. He's their friend who they care about. But again, in this like brutal calculation, they his body's still producing heat. And like it's comforting to them, you know, like to even if it's like eerie and grotesque, they're seeing so many dead bodies. And so they decide to like use yeah. like like basically bring him in like they sleep with him mm -hmm. in between two of them to like enjoy his body heat mm -hmm. and to hold him close and to appreciate his last moments his sister is not getting better um her injuries are mostly internal um and so she's she's just not getting better uh the neighbor lady who had um had her Legs crushed is one of the folks who dies. Pilot dies, like we said. <sighs> they wake up to the sound of helicopters. And they are elated. They run outside. They don't see the helicopters, but they hear them. And they're sure that they've been seen. And they jump up and down. And they feel so relieved. Immediately, some of them are, are nervous, right? It's hard to believe anything, but most of them are just like, they're coming for us. Uh, Marcelo Perez, the team captain, is like, you know, he's in charge. He's he's gonna gotta keep everybody's spirits up. So he's just like, yep, they're gonna come and find us. There's no question, no doubt. Like this is happening. We're going to be rescued, and a lot of relief comes along with that. But they still have. I mean, dead bodies all around mm. them. They still have their horribly injured friends. They have, you know, no food, right? They they eat their tiny ration of, like, chocolate. They had, like, a toast, basically. Like, they all had, like, a little cap full of wine, right? And they start to, they take all of the dead bodies and they put them in a line so they're easily accessible for the rescuers when they come. And they bury them in, like, a light covering of snow. Uh, some, they, they take turns kind of caring for the most brutally injured passengers. They try to share as much as they can. Some people are so deeply in shock that it's really difficult for them to 
kind of be present and help with things, but they're able, and that's again, kind of talking about like, God forbid anyone's ever in a situation like this, but that the act of kind of bringing your friend in and, and when somebody is in shock, being able to like give them something to do. It's kind of like a classic thing. If you're in like an emergency situation and you want someone to call 911, right. like don't just scream, call 911, point <laughs> right. yep. at one person and say, you call 911. Because again, just that your brain isn't working, but you you actually are yeah. still, you're still there. It's good news. You're still there. Right. So, so just helping them kind of snap into action. So again, having somebody take on that leadership role is helpful, right? And having the medical students as horrible as it is that they're having their their babies, they're just lads, right? Every one of them. And but they uh you know, do what they can, use what knowledge they can, try to do what they can with like no resources. So they wait all day on day 2 hoping, hoping that the helicopters are going to come back. They just want to believe that they saw them. They have to have seen them. As nightfall starts to come back, as they know they're going to have to face that brutal, freezing night again, Sela Perez, right, is is the team captain, is telling them, like, no, no, they just, like, couldn't come back in time or they need to, like, make sure they have enough equipment or, like, you know, he's just being a cheerleader. He's helping them out. So they go to sleep on the second night, all bundled in together, wrapped up as close as they can, wind howling outside. They've eaten snow, chocolate, wine. On day three, they're waiting for the helicopters to come. But at this point, their bodies are so dehydrated. So they're trying to eat snow, but as you and I know, because we're from a snowy place, eating snow for your water is not, it's Mm. not safe. It's not something that you can do for very long at all. If you want to eat a snowball for fun, you can, but your, A, the energy that it takes to heat up that snow to melt it is uh, energy you might not have and certainly energy they didn't have in this scenario. Right. And two, because where they are, it's so arid and dry, the, their lips are cracking, their mouth, their tongue is cracking. They can't, you can't eat enough snow. Like you would have to eat so much, like a huge, huge bucket of snow to make like one cup of water. Right. It, it snow is mostly air, but again, they don't know that. So they're drying out, not able to eat the snow quickly enough. Uh, they're kind of taking things apart, obviously some stuff ripped apart, and they had taken the covers off of the seats to try to make into blankets or bandages, things like that. They um, see that there's like thin aluminum plates behind the seats. Somebody gets the idea that they can uh, bend them into like a little tray put snow inside of it and then put them out in the sun where the sun can heat up the aluminum melt the snow and then they have liquid water to drink so a plus guys good job uh the some of the men who had um serious compound fractures in their legs start to start to show sign of infection but they're like they just like the helicopters had to see them. They had to have seen no. them. 
God, I can't even imagine. I really can't even imagine seeing that. No. Like, how do you have no, any hope after that point? I can't. But, well, I mean, the we've talked about this before, but that American thing of like where it's just a yep. given, where that people right. will say, "Don't get your hopes up," like, "Don't get your hopes up," because it feels so devastating when your hopes aren't met. But like, it what's the trade-off never hoping for anything right it's not like it's free to never get your hopes mm. up right like there's a cost to that too but while they're waiting and really trying to fight off despair nando starts to stir nando starts to make small movements small sounds starts to lift out of his coma he's not immediately conscious in any true way he's obviously confused but as he starts to stir they're so elated that they run over to him they like are shocked that he's starting to wake up at the same time that he's starting to wake up his sister is starting to slip out of consciousness she's not in she's not she's she comes back but she's not doing well over the course of a couple hours, Nando starts to slowly come back. He he is thinking, like thinking at them, but can't communicate. He he can't make the words form. And as he slowly starts to become able to communicate, he says, Where's my mother? Where's my sister? And they like pretend they don't hear him and just like give him water to drink yeah. and try to like you know check on him try to you know just help him however they can with what they have and finally as he truly comes back in the consciousness he says where's my mother where's my sister like what aren't you telling me and finally they say mm. your mother is dead and nando said that Like, he loved his mother. He was very close with his mother. He is the guy on the rugby team who brought his mom along, right? Like, like his mom is somebody who he loves so, so much. But something in, like, the extremeness of this situation, like, allowed him to basically not absorb that. You know, like, just protected him from that for a second. And he took the information in without really... Um, experiencing it emotionally and he said well where's where's my sister where's Susie and they said Mm. Susie is dying she's still alive but she's dying and so Nando said bring me to my sister which isn't far obviously and and so he got up and he's just lifted out of this coma and goes over Mm. and his sister is in and out of consciousness and he just holds her for the next few hours until she dies. And like, there's not in this, this is obviously like a famous story. And I guess I just want to say like Susie Parada, you know, she was 17 and I know we joked about it last week, but I mean, And I don't know her, right? Not that much is written about her, except that, you know, people adored her. And that she was, she 
literally came along with her mom at her brother's right. invite to flirt with boys. Like, I, I'm sure she's a cool girl. I'm sure she's a cool girl. And, and I just, <sighs> Nando believed that mm. she knew he was there, that she knew he was with him. And now he's come back to life. Mm. But his sister and his mother are gone. And Nando thought, I have to get back to my dad. That, like, deep, deep sense of conviction. My dad is alone. I have to get back to him. So on the third day, they... I, I'm back to that idea that our lads are good Catholic boys. The the symbolism of Nando like coming back on the third day is is like poignant to them. Like it's like a beautiful it's something that just like sticks in everyone's mind. Like it's just this like, you know, they've seen so much death and suffering. They've gone through all of this fear and terror. And then Nando comes back to life on the third day and it just lifts their spirits. Even as Susie dies, even as they continue to suffer, it just means something to them. So there's 27 people remaining on the night of the third Mm. day. The helicopter had not seen them. The helicopter had not seen them. The helicopter would not fly over that area again. Right. Their white plane, their white plane buried in snow was invisible. Families, the friends, people who loved everyone on board that plane found out that the plane was missing over the Andes. Some of them immediately believed the worst. Some of them believed that they might still be out there. Some of them felt like that deep sense of that they were still alive. And different, you know, diff- the, the, the powers that take care of things like this went into effect, right? Three nations sent uh, rescue helicopters, rescue planes, resources, uh, Argentina, which in fact is where they are, uh, Chile and uh, Uruguay. They uh, the big effort started. Uh, Carlos Paez uh, is the father of Carlitos Paez, who we haven't spoken about at length yet. But Carlitos is eighteen. Carlis Carlitos is just a lad, and Carlos Paez is like, I am going to find my son. Like he just had that like immovable, deep, like in his bones. Carlos Paez is going to find his son. And so he flies over to Chile because that's where the the search was based, because that's where they thought they were. That was the last place the pilot had said that they were in Corico. So he goes there and he says, I want to help with the search, which is not normal in this situation. This isn't, God forbid, somebody lost in the woods or the desert or a corn maze right this is getting into a helicopter and flying and looking out at the mountains carlos paez said i want to go on the helicopters to search and they were like honestly yeah yeah dude sure you seem like a solid chap like let's go and he did he got into that 
helicopter to help them search. And I don't know. Mm. I have no reason to think that he was on the helicopter that flew over where they were that day. Uh, I think if he had been, that that would have been something that would be reported. I I don't think so. But he was up there looking for his son. But they didn't see them. Gosh. And I think we just have to leave it there, guys. It's going to be a long story. (laughs) It's going to be long. I mean, it's a lot. It's a long. Yeah, it is a lot. Yeah. There's a short version of this story, right? But why would you want the short version? No, we don't want the short version. Surely not of my favorite episode. My favorite story. No, absolutely not. Oh, this story. Oh, my goodness. It's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a really tough one. I can't imagine just, I don't know. It's actually funny because, not funny, but because of this story, I mean, years ago when we lived together, I'm pretty sure we watched the movie. I'm having like vivid memories (laughs) of like popping. Yeah. Um, And I never used to eat before I would fly. (sighs) And just because like I would get, because like usually, you know, we're getting up early. I don't like to eat like breakfast very early mm. so i just kind of became in the habit that i just don't eat before i fly and this like totally changed my trajectory of that <laughs> now you like just always like, have yeah, a meal I'm, I'm gonna yeah i'm always gonna have some sort of a meal before i fly just just to be safe you know just to be safe i know i I'm famously an overpacker, or I was. I've gotten, I would yeah. say, much better at it by my, you know, different things I've had the pleasure of doing. And, yeah. you know, when everything you bring with you, you have to carry, it's a little more like, yep. okay, let's think about this. <laughs> different. But um, I do still tend to pack kind of like I'm going to have to survive somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah. it's kind of <laughs> like maybe I'm going to, like, maybe I'm going to barcelona in august but like what if i need a jacket you know i could or my my mom is like the lightest packer in the universe my mom like my mom i i swear like pretty much leaves the house with like the same stuff if she's going for like a weekend or like to the store like she's just a super (laughs) super like i love it she's like i survive on nothing i survive on the smell (laughs) of apples and dewdrops but like she um but the things she packs are like, like she has like a, I don't know if you've seen these, they're like bottles of water. Uh, well, they're like water bottles, but it's oh, like, like mini a, ones? but it's no, it's like a bag. So it flattens out when it's oh, empty. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. So my mom was like, this is perfect. <laughs> amazing. I'll carry even less. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so good. Uh, I- this year when Ty and I went away for our anniversary, I forgot my whole bag here. Oh. And just like we were gone for three days and it was just in the Catskills. So we were like close enough that we could have come back like it's, you know, three hours or whatever. But I was just like, nah, fuck it. We're not going back. Like, yeah. I don't even care at yeah. this point. And, you know, it, it was fine. We ran to Walmart. It was it ended up being fine. But um, yeah, no Walmart in the Andes, obviously. No, nothing. Nothing at all. It won't come yeah. up in the story because I just don't find it. This is a detail that's included sometimes, but I don't, to me, it doesn't feel that pertinent, but I'll say it here. Mm -hmm. So in fact, there's a, 
uh, hotel 18 miles from where they are. Oh my god! But but 18 miles, you know what I mean? Right, and it's also across right. a river and it's in the wrong direction that they went. It was east. Like I don't, the reason I, I wasn't, the reason I don't think of this as that pertinent is because on a map, it looks like, oh my gosh, there's a hotel right there. Right. Right. But in practice, it's like, and so that can give the impression that it's not as remote as it is. And I really want to stress they're in a really, really remote area. Um, but the, this is like a, a very, very remote skiing hotel that is out of business now and has been out of business since like 1975. So like it, because it was too remote, God bless him, you know? Um, (laughs) but it's not, I mean, it's not 18 miles of flat plains in the middle of fall. Like, right. Right. No. The Andes in minus 40 degree weather. Yeah. At the end of winter, which you and I know that hours of darkness insane. Oh my gosh. I know. Isn't that like a fun fact that I, I always forget and like get excited when I remember that the Southern hemisphere has, yeah. has the opposite seasons. Yes. Yes, exactly. I know I was in Chile in October and, uh, it was like the rainy season. Oh, there you go. And it just rained every single day for like three weeks straight. <laughs> That's no way to do just spring. Every day. No. no. It's like, well, all right. April showers bring my flowers, I guess. Right. Yeah, October exactly. showers. <laughs> when we were taught that poem, the April showers bring my flowers. The second, did you get that? And what do Mayflowers bring? Pilgrims. <laughs> no. That's that's shout out to Miss Wrath at OCCS there in it first is. grade. <laughs> People showers bring May flowers. Uh, it's kind of pilgrims. horrifyingly scary, isn't it? Pilgrims? <laughs> yeah. And what do May flowers bring? Pilgrims. Dun 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 pilgrims. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. I'm but get yeah. a lot of nasty emails for that one, but it's fine. Maybe. The best thing that ever happened to me includes the Mayflowers, so who am I to that's another story go. for another time. <laughs> but I'm always afraid when I tell uh, that, that I'm going to accidentally get that guy in trouble. It's a thing. We'll tell the story some other time. Yeah, it's we'll, nothing. Yeah, bad. it's a great story. It's but a very good story. Not today. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a very sweet, cute fact for that, us today to kind of wrap up this horrific plane crash and terrible three days they just had. That's what we need. <laughs> so did you know, Casey? That the voice of Mickey Mouse and the voice of Minnie Mouse got married in real life. What? Not the original, obviously, because that was Walt Disney himself. Um, but the so Rusty Taylor, who is the voice of Minnie Mouse in uh, like the mid 1980s, uh, she like auditioned and um, it's like you know Mickey was. Uh, like being her what's the other person like you know just the person who's doing the lines with them like yeah during the audition she was auditioning for the role oh, okay. and uh she like met him after the audition in the hallway and they just like instantly clicked and yeah. eventually got married and or fell in love and got married and lived happily ever after until his death in 2009 oh uh-huh. Smitten kittens. Yeah. Smitten so kittens. That's so nice. That yeah, it's very fact. sweet. Yeah. So Mickey and Minnie are are married in real life. 
were married in real life. Are they married in canon? Uh, yeah. I think so. I think at some point. Mickey Mouse is, like, not not part of my life at all. Like, my childhood. Oh, really? Yeah. Not at all. Wow, okay. I don't know why. I don't know, but I don't... I, like, sincerely don't know... I only know them as, like, a symbol. Gotcha. Are there, like... I mean, that's... We were kind of... Like, Mickey got weird around, I feel like, when we were kids. Like, we had you know like the old 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 school mickey stuff that would play that's mm-hmm. how i know it pretty much is like from the old school stuff yeah and then kind of like right after us they like it kind of blew up again and i think mo- like thankfully to this woman who is minnie mouse um i was reading that i guess they like tried to uh branch out like her character because uh, she didn't have many lines and she was just kind of like, you know, damsel in distress and very stereotypical women from 1930s on and like mid 80s. They wanted to kind of have Minnie branch out to be an actual character. Mm. Um, and she kind of helped uh, like push that forward and apparently is a, a lovely person. There's a very good article, uh, the L.A. Times. Oops. The. um the LA Times did a great article. Uh, so if you look it up, classic Hollywood, Rusty Taylor, the voice and personality of Minnie Mouse. And it's a very, very sweet article. So, nice. yeah. I do. I love like Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yeah. Looney but Tunes are great. Have, I didn't have um, like Mickey Mouse cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. Probably because like Cartoon yeah. Network didn't have the rights or whatever. But, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely would have been Disney Channel. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We didn't. We didn't get the Disney Channel until I was older. Till one yeah, day. Same. I only had it on my grandparents. Yeah. Cable man. Cable. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Stupid Spectrum should sponsor this show. Yeah. Literally. I'm not even going to talk our money, about it. Spectrum. I was going to talk about it, but I'm not going to talk about it. Sponsor me, Spectrum. <laughs> but sponsor it right now. Sp- sponsor us someone sponsor us oh darling friends we love you i love you mariah i love you casey thanks for telling this really gruesome story i know this was brutal and this is probably gonna be four parts guys i'm sorry i know it's not planes but like uh maybe it's like a hangout if we're due for a hangout maybe we could watch the movie of this would that be fun yeah that'd be a good time you could do right i'll use some yeah no, no, no. Totally irrelevant. Not should not be on the podcast. I was gonna say I don't know why it didn't work last time. Cause I've, I know. I've used but anyways, like I've yeah. recently used Zoom and it was fine. But anyways. I'll use I know. Well what Mariah's saying is true that the sound quality um wasn't ideal when we did the last hangout. It was really fun to see all of you. It it was great. Um, but I know that our darling, wonderful, beautiful BFF of the show from FS Mania, Tim. Uh, yeah. His video is better if you watch it on your own phone than it would have been uh, yeah. to watch it for the first time with us. So we, no one could sit through two hours of that. I can barely sit right. through two hours of a movie under the best of circumstances. So it's true. But we'll we'll try. If anybody has like a suggestion for how to do a better version of that, obviously it's Aaron free. So, yeah, there has to be one. Aaron knew. 
Aaron did know. He, suggest- he suggested something. I forget what it is. We should ask him. I'll ask him again. Yeah. The, um, but if we have a good way of doing it, and obviously if you're new since we did the hangout, so it literally is just what it sounds like. It's just, we did a Zoom call. We all hung out together. We watched uh, Tim from FS Mania on YouTube's video um, about, uh, I don't know how to say it. Yeah. <laughs> cool guy landing a plane under very severe circumstances and um so yeah i um i'm not sure exactly how we would do it again but it literally is just hanging out and watching a movie with your friends except that we all live in different places and there's still (laughs) very much a pandemic going so it's remote yeah and uh yeah if you'd like to do that we could do that and um one way or the other we love you so much and you should email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com you should follow us on instagram and we did it's awkward but we can all tolerate the awkwardness together uh we did enable uh follower listener we did enable listener support so if you look uh underneath the description on this podcast episode there should be a link where you can support us if you'd like do not feel pressured but uh if you enjoy this and you feel like helping us pay our quarter of a million dollars in student loans (laughs) you can and uh either way with or without any of that we will see you next week yeah love you mariah love you case i love you all Bye. bye Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you to all of you for your grace and love and kindness, everything that you've shared with us uh, during this really weird time. Uh, Thank you, if you made it this far, for tolerating the fact that I failed to plug in and turn on my microphone two weeks in a row. Uh, we've uh, recorded next week's episode and so I can assure you that I did remember that time Uh, thank you for I don't know everything we love you guys and you're all the best Uh, if you want to email us or uh, contact us you can find us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com or on Instagram and TikTok we did enable the follower support on uh, Anchor, which is where our podcast is hosted. And if you want to check that out, uh, of course, you're more than welcome to. Uh, we just adore every one of you. I'll just keep gushing if I keep recording. So uh, we can't wait to see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>